This morning we continue our study through the book of Genesis and we come to chapter 42. I've entitled the message, When Things Seem Against Us. Everybody's been there, (laughs) when things seem against us. And we're going to deal with that this morning as we look at chapter 42. Follow in your Bibles as we read. When Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, Jacob said unto his sons, Why do ye look one upon another? And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is corn in Egypt. Get you down thither and buy for us from thence, that we may live and not die. And Joseph's ten brethren went down to buy corn in Egypt. But Benjamin, Joseph's brother, Jacob sent not with his brethren, for he said, Lest peradventure mischief befall him. And the sons of Israel came to buy corn among those that came, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. And Joseph was governor over the land, and he, and he it was that sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. And Joseph saw his brethren, and he knew them, but made himself strange unto them, and spake roughly unto them. And he said unto them, Whence come ye? And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew him not. And Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed of them, and he said unto them, Ye are spies, to see the nakedness of the land ye are come. And they said unto him, Nay, my lord, but to buy food are thy servants come. We are all one man's sons, we are true men, thy servants are no spies. And he said unto them, Nay, but to see the nakedness of the land are ye come. And they said, Thy servants are twelve brethren, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan, And behold, the youngest is is this day with our father, and one is not. And Joseph said unto them, This is it that I spake unto you, saying, Ye are spies. Hereby ye shall be proved. By the life of Pharaoh ye shall not go forth except your youngest brother come hither. Send one of you, and let him fetch your brother. And ye shall be kept in prison, that your words may be proved whether there be any truth in you, or else by the life of Pharaoh, surely ye are spies. And he put them all together into the ward three days. And Joseph said unto them the third day, This do, and live, for I fear God. If ye be true men, let one of your brethren be bound in the house of your prison. Go ye, carry corn for the famine of your houses. But bring your younger brother unto me. So shall your words be verified, and ye shall not die. And they did so. And they said one to another, We are very guilty concerning our brother, in that we saw the anguish of his soul when he, when he besought us, and we would not hear. Therefore is this distress come upon us. And Reuben answered them, saying, Spake I not unto you, saying, Do not sin against the child? And you would not hear. Therefore, behold, also his blood is required." And they knew not that Joseph understood them, for he spake unto them by an interpreter. And he turned himself around about from them and wept, and returned to them again and communed with them, and took from them Simeon and bound him before their eyes. Then Joseph commanded to fill their sacks with corn, and to restore every man's money unto his sack, and to give them provision for the way, for thus did he unto them. And they laded their asses with the corn, and departed thence. And as one of them opened his sack to give his ass provender in the, in the end, he espied his money, and behold, it was in the sack's mouth. 
And he said to his brethren, My money is restored, and lo, it's even in my sack. And their heart failed them, and they were afraid, saying one to another, What is this that God hath done unto us? And they came unto Jacob their father into the land of Canaan, and told him all that, all that befell unto them, saying, The man who is lord of the land spake roughly to us, and he took us for spies of the country. And we said unto him, We are true men, we are no spies. We be twelve brethren, sons of, of one father. One is not, and the younger is this day with his father in the land of Canaan. And the man, the lord of the country, said unto us, uh, Hereby shall I know that ye are true men. Leave one of your brethren here with me, and take food for the famine of your households, and be gone, and bring your youngest brother unto me. Then shall I know that ye are no spies, but that ye, ye are true men. So will I deliver you, your brother, and ye shall traffic in the land. And it came to pass, as they emptied their sacks, that, behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when both they and their father saw the bundles of money, they were afraid. And Jacob their father said unto them, Me ye have bereaved of my children. Joseph is not, Simeon is not, and ye will take Benjamin away. All these things are against me. And Reuben spake unto his father, saying, Slay my two sons, if I bring him not to thee. Deliver him into my hand, and I will bring him to thee again. And he said, my son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead, and he is left alone. If mischief befall him by the way in the which ye go, then shall ye bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for this passage. We thank you, Lord, that in the midst of trials and troubles, tribulations, disappointments, that you work in our lives and we can always say you're for us, you're not against us. Teach us that lesson today as we look at this passage. And Lord, if there's somebody here today whose faith is not in Jesus Christ, they've never trusted you as their personal Savior, I pray that today they would do that. Encourage the child of God. Help us to have hope when things seem hopeless. Help us to believe you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Quite often from this pulpit, I have, I have reminded you of the truth of Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Last week, we drove home the point in Joseph's life that we can trust the Lord. Genesis chapter 41 told of Joseph as the ruler in Egypt, second only to Pharaoh himself. The largest part of Joseph's trials were now over because he was a ruler in the land of Egypt. He was in the place of authority, which his dreams from God had said that would happen and that his brothers would bow down to him. They haven't yet bowed, but he is in a place of authority that's going to happen. He knew that one day the brothers would come and bow down to him because his dreams from God told him so. But for Jacob and his sons, things were not doing well at all. It wasn't looking good for them. They believed that Joseph was dead, and so they didn't even think about the fulfillment of his dreams. They were experiencing a famine in the land, and all seemed to be bad for them. It wasn't good. As Jacob saw it, if they did not go to Egypt, he says in verse, verse 2, 
that they would all soon die of hunger. And then later, when he heard the things that his sons told him when they came back from Egypt, he made this statement in verse 36, all things are against me. All things are against me. Now, Jacob said that based on his own perspective and what he could see. It seemed to him that all things were against him. All of us have been there. The circumstances of our life shout, it's impossible. It's over. There's no hope. It's hopeless. But when times like that come, we should really say to the, to the Lord, Lord, I believe you. I know you've told me that all things will work together for good. And I believe you, and I'm going to trust you in the midst of the trial. But sometimes, you all know, we don't. <laughs> We're faced with the same kind of things that Jacob was faced with. And we say, all things are against us. Well, let's examine the passage this morning. And let's look at just what was really going on. What was really happening. Jacob said, all things are against me. But was that really true? In order to set the stage for that, we're going to look at the chapter and just see what happens. So follow with me in your Bibles. First of all, Jacob sent the ten brothers, his sons, uh, to Egypt to get grain. Now, we need to understand that they were grown men at this time. Uh, they were all in their 30s, 40s, uh, at least. They were grown men. And uh, Joseph was around 39 years old at this time. We know that because he was about 17 or 18 when they sold him off into slavery. The Bible tells us that when he was with his four brothers attending uh, the sheep, he was 17. And then right after that, he was with all the brothers, or he went to check on all the brothers. They saw him coming, and then they sold him off into slavery. So he was probably 17 years old, 18 at the most. The Bible tells us in chapter 41, verse 46, that when he became ruler in Egypt, he was 30 years old. Now, we know that when the brothers came down there, seven years of plenty had already happened, so now that makes him 37. We also know from chapter 45, verse 6, that when he confronted his brothers, when they knew who he was, he said two years of the famine have already happened. So that's 30 years plus 7 plus 2, and Joseph now is 39 years old. Now, they had not seen Joseph for 22 years. 22 years ago, they sold him off to the Ishmaelites. As they were standing there, Jacob rebuked his sons, and Jacob said, Why do you stand looking at yourselves, just looking at each other? I know that there's corn in Egypt, and they probably knew that too, and he really rebuked them for their inactivity. They should be doing something about it. And so he says, you go down into Egypt. Now that tells me something, you know, that the Lord will provide for us. But he wants us to work. It's not good to say, oh, God will provide all my needs. So I just sit back and be lazy and, and God will provide. No, he won't. In fact, if you're a believer and you decide you're not going to do anything, you're not going to do anything to help, you'll probably starve. Now, Sadly, that's not true in America. I say sadly because uh, we support people who are just, will not do anything. <laughs> and that's sad. But uh, normally, back in those days probably, if they had just not done anything, they would have starved. 
So Jacob said, we're in bad shape. We need food. Why are you standing around looking at each other? And then we need to understand that Benjamin at this time did not go with them. Now I have to confess in my mind, as I've read this sometimes, I've thought of Benjamin as a little boy. Benjamin's not a little boy. In fact, at this time, Benjamin is probably in his 30s. I know there's no way to determine for sure how old Benjamin was, but we have some indication. And we know that when Benjamin went down into Egypt with his father, remember when when Jacob and his family finally go down, Benjamin has, get ready for this, Benjamin has 10 kids, (laughs) 10 children. (laughs) And so he has to be a grown man and probably at least in his 30s. Chapter 46, verse 21 says that, lists the people that went down into Egypt and, and Benjamin had 10 children. So he is at Jake, uh, Joseph's 39, Benjamin's younger than Joseph, and so he's in his 30s at least. And they went down, when they went down to Egypt, they went with a caravan of, group, of, of people. Look at verse 5. It says, uh, and the sons of Israel came to buy corn. Among those that came for the famine was in the land of Canaan. So there were a bunch of people from Canaan went down to Egypt, and Joseph's, uh, Jacob's sons, uh, those ten brothers, went down with that group of people as they went down into Egypt. But of course, when they got there, it was every man to himself, and they would approach uh, uh, Joseph asking for the corn. So they're going down into Egypt, and uh, Jacob has told them to go. Now, the ten brothers, in verse 6, we find that they're standing before Joseph. Now, Joseph was in command. You know, Egypt's a big country. And no doubt, Joseph did not deal with everybody who came down. But he was in charge of all of it. And so happened, God made it so that when these brothers came down, Joseph was the one there that day, and he saw the brothers, and he, he recognized them. So he was the governor over the land. He was dispersing that day the the grain to the people. And Joseph knew his brothers, but they did not know him. The Bible tells us in verse 9, the ten ten brothers, um, that they they bowed down before Joseph. They bowed down. uh, I think that's verse 6 that says that. Yeah, verse 6, they bowed themselves down. You can think of this. As they're bowing down there before Joseph, Joseph saw them. He knew who they were. I mean, he hadn't seen them for 22 years, but uh, they were pretty much grown men at the time when he left. And so he recognized them, and 10 of them being together just happened to be the 10 that mistreated him and the 10 that sold him off into slavery. He knew who they were. And so they're bowing the knee before him, and he remembers the dreams. He remembers the dreams when God said there's, through the dream that, uh, that uh, let the, the ten sheaves, the eleven sheaves would bow down to his sheaf. And then the eleven, then the eleven stars and the, and the sun and the moon would bow down uh, to him. He remembered that. And there stood ten brothers who had come before him and they kneeled down in front of him and he remembered the, the dream. He spoke roughly to them. Because they didn't recognize him. They didn't realize who this was. Now you wonder, well, if he knew who they were, why didn't they know who he was? 22 years has passed. He was 17 the last they saw him. He's 39 years old now. You change a lot in those years. 
Not only that, they probably had beards and he was clean-shaven as the Egyptians were in those days. And he had royal garb on and he spoke a different language. In fact, he had been in Egypt for 22 years, so it wasn't rough Egyptian. He knew the language and he blended right in. He assimilated with the Egyptians and he looked like an Egyptian and everything about him, uh, there was nothing about him that would make them think, oh, this is Joseph. In their mind, Joseph was dead. They hadn't heard from him for 22 years. He probably died. And so uh, they don't recognize him. Now, when Joseph speaks roughly to them, some have criticized him and said, well, Joseph shouldn't have treated him. He should have told them immediately who he was. No, the time wasn't right yet. First of all, the men before him were the ones that mistreated him. We know that Joseph didn't have revenge in his heart because of the way he acted, but Joseph knew that they needed to be confronted. They needed to be humbled, and so the process had begun. They needed to come to repentance, and the process had begun. And also, Joseph knew his dream said 11 would bow down, and how many were there? Ten. One was missing. The 11th one still would bow down in front of him. So Joseph wasn't ready yet to reveal who he was, and he waited. And then Joseph accused them of being spies. He spoke roughly to them, and he accused them of being spies. They said, no, we came to buy food. And he, they said, we are one man's sons, we are true men, and we are not spies. And he said, no, you've come to see the nakedness of the land, and uh, implying, yes, you are spies. And they said, no, we are 12 brethren. Now, there's 10 of them there, but they say, we are 12 brothers, and one stayed back home with dad, and the other is not, which means he's dead. And they think Joseph is dead. And he says to them, no, you are spies. I know you're spies. And Joseph demands that they bring their brother. If they have, truly have a younger brother, you bring him down to me, and I'm going to put you in, in prison until one of you goes back and brings him down. So he puts them in prison, all of them in prison, ten of them. And uh, he puts them there for three days. They're there for three days, and they no doubt during those three days start thinking about all that went on in the past. And maybe they think about Joseph, but he's dead. But maybe they think about what he's done, what they've done to him. Anyway, they start thinking about it. And so then he brings them out of prison. And he said to them, you send and fetch your brother. And, uh, I, and I will... I'll, I'll let one of you go down, and the Bible tells us that uh, he said, I fear God. Now, I was reading one commentator who said that the Hebrew word here is, is not Jehovah. That would have given it away if he would have used the word Jehovah. But he used the word Elohim, which is a general word for God, Elohim. And so that's the one he used. And so it could have meant he, he, he believed in the God of Egypt or whatever. But he says, I fear God. And so he was really expressing what was true in his heart, that he did fear God. And so he said, I'm, I'm going to keep one of you and send the rest of you back. And so he bound Simeon in front of them. Now, before he bound Simeon, the whole scenario, the whole scene before him was getting the best of him. 
And we know that he wasn't a hardened man. He wasn't like some are, you know, when somebody does them wrong, they keep it in there and they hold it against them for year after year after year and they become bitter and bitter. Well, Joseph had every reason to do that, humanly speaking. I mean, he'd been put in jail and all, the, and sold as a slave, then put in prison, all the things that had happened to him. And he had reason to be bitter, but he wasn't. Because the Bible says he turned aside and he wept. Now, it's interesting that Joseph wept. It shows that he was not a hardened man. In fact, if you look at the account of Joseph's story, there are six times that Joseph wept. Six times that he wept. And uh, he shed tears because of the, of the situation and uh, what was happening there. And his brothers were before him. He wanted to hug them. He probably wanted to, uh, to kiss them. But uh, he had to refrain himself, but he wept. And so he takes Simeon. And he binds him in front of all of them as they're watching. Now, you might wonder, why Simeon? Well, remember, Reuben's the oldest. And then there's Simeon. And then there's uh, Levi. And then there's Judah. So Reuben's the oldest. Reuben uh, has already said, uh, as he's, or, or he's going to say as he's standing there before them, you know, I, I tried to get you not to do this. And so he didn't bind Reuben, but he bound Simeon. Simeon was, was the uh, one that was later considered by Jacob to be a, a one who was uh, hardened. I can't think of the word, but it's over in, later in the passage. It says that uh, he's, when Joseph, Joseph, Jacob's telling the story of, it, of, his, of his sons and telling them how uh, their characteristics he says of Simeon that he was a cruel man. He was a cruel man. So maybe Joseph knows that, and he's binding Simeon to get him uh, to uh, humble him a little bit. Anyway, as all this is going on, and the brothers then, before Joseph, they start telling each other about uh, reminding each other what happened. Now remember, Joseph is the Egyptian. They don't think he understands. And so they start telling each other, and they said, we are very guilty concerning our brother Joseph. We're very guilty. We saw him as anguish of his soul, and we heard him crying unto us, and we didn't do anything. And this is why all this trouble is coming upon us. And Reuben says, yes, and I told you not to do that, not to sin against my brother. I told you not to do that, but you wouldn't listen to me. And all the time they were saying this, Joseph heard them and understood, but they didn't know that Joseph understood. And so Joseph was seeing in their life that there was some change being made as he was dealing with his brothers. Joseph wept when he heard all this, and uh, then Joseph commanded them to go back, the ten brothers or nine brothers to go back. One of them stays, Simeon stays, and he tell, tells the men in charge there, he says, now you put all the money that they brought me you put it in their sack now from that it seems like we understand this that 10 brothers came and each of them made a deal themselves you remember they're getting grain for their households they're all grown men and they're bringing back grain so they all have their sacks or sacks and uh, on their donkeys and so each man gives the money and each man gets a sack of grain 
And then Jacob, Joseph instructs them to put the, sack, the money back in each man's sack. And they put it on, and each of them put their sack on, on the, the donkey, not knowing that the money is in there. And so each man put their sack in there. And then in verse 27 it says, one found his money in his sack. And on their way back they stopped at an inn to get some rest. And they opened, they were going to, one was going to feed his donkey some grain, so he opened the sack and found the money in there. Now there seems to be a little discrepancy, it's not a discrepancy, but it's a little hard to understand sometimes, and that is chapter 43, verse 21, when the brethren are telling this to the authorities back in Egypt, they say that all of us at this time opened our sacks. Well, maybe they did. Maybe at that time when one opened their sacks, they said, oh, your money's in there. Maybe all of our money's in there, so they opened all their sacks. That's the story they tell in any way later. Now, they didn't tell that to Jacob at the t when they came back. We'll see that in a minute. They were afraid, and they said this when they opened that, when they opened that sack and found the money. They said, what is the, this that God hath done to us? First time God is mentioned on their, their account. What has God done for us? They're beginning to be convicted and they're beginning to feel like they're responsible and uh, it's something bad for them to have done to, to, to uh, Joseph. And they're feeling really bad about it and they're beginning to recognize God's in this. When the brothers arrived back home, they told Joseph, Jacob what had happened. It begins in verse 29. It says, And they came unto Jacob, and they told him all that befell unto them. And they said, The Lord of the land spoke roughly unto us, and he took us for spies. And he said to us that we are spies. And we said, No, we're not. We're, we're one man's sons, and the youngest is back with his dad, and one is not. And, and uh, he told us to bring our youngest brother to him and to prove that we were not spies. And uh, we can't go back unless we take that younger brother. And so at that time, it says in verse 35, they opened their sacks and uh, they found the money in each sack. Now, whether they found it when they opened their sacks or at that first time at the end, and they, that's what they told the officials later, or whether this is true, we're not sure where they lied. They lied somewhere probably. But uh, anyway, they opened their sacks, it says, and, and uh, they, they opened all their sacks, and they and Jacob both, all of them were afraid because of what they found. And then Jacob makes that statement, and let's notice what it is in verse 36. And it says, Jacob their father said to them, Me have ye bereaved of my children. Joseph is not, Simeon is not, and ye will take Benjamin away. All these things are against me. All these things are against me. It seems that to Jacob that everything is against him. That means the money, Joseph, Simeon, and Benjamin. Jacob says all these things after they found the money and they're afraid he said, you've bereaved me. All these things are against me. You've bereaved me of Joseph and Simeon. He's not here now. He's down in Egypt. And you want to take Benjamin? All these things are against me. 
But let's think about that for just a minute. Jacob was going through a time when he thought everything was against him. It seemed that way to him. But was it? Was it true that all was against him? Well, let's look at what really was true. First of all, this was true. God was providing their necessary food. You remember when he left, he said, if you don't get us food, we're going to starve. And now they have all these sacks of food. It's all there. Not only that, they have the money that they sent down there. It's returned. Now they think that uh, it's a mistake, or they think, or he thinks maybe that his son stole the money. That's possible he thought that. I don't think he trusts his sons at this time. And so he says, all these things are against me. Well, the truth was, it wasn't, the money wasn't stolen. In fact, it was a gift from Joseph. And uh, it, was, it was not true that, that, that um, Joseph was dead and he was not because Joseph was alive and he was a ruler in Egypt. It wasn't true that Simeon was, was gone because Simeon was down there in Egypt and he was being taught some things by what he was going through. He was a prisoner, but he was still alive and everything was all right. And so... Everything that he thought was wrong is not wrong. He thought that it was, it was going bad for him, but the Bible says, no, he had, they had food. So he's not worried about, doesn't have to worry about that. God was providing for them. You see, God tells us he'll provide all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Sometimes we feel like things are going wrong, but we need to look around us and count our blessings. And Jacob needed to do that. God has provided the food that we need. Another thing, God was working on his sons to bring them to the place of repentance. When, he seemed everything, when it seemed everything was wrong and everything was against him, God was working on his sons to bring them to repentance. They had already admitted their guilt. Now, Jacob didn't know this, but down in Egypt, they had already among themselves admitted we were guilty of what we did to Joseph. They had begun to feel sympathy for their brother. Before, they called him that dreamer. Before, they hated him. Before, they desired to kill him. Before, they callously sat down, you remember, when they threw him in the pit, and he was down there crying to them. They didn't care about that cry of his. They sat down and they ate. They ate a meal with with Joseph down in the pit. They were callous to him before they sold him off to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, before they callously lied to their dad and said, uh, he was killed by an animal, and here's his coat to prove there's blood all over it, and uh, he was killed. They knew that wasn't true, but they callously told their dad that. They didn't really care about Joseph. But now, it's changed. Now, they called him brother, We shouldn't have done this to our brother. Now they seem convicted that they had done something wrong to their brother and God was holding them in accounting for it. It, Jacob didn't know any of this was going on, but it was. And when Jacob said, everything is against me, it wasn't. They had food and God was working with his sons and he didn't even know it. He didn't know his sons were guilty of selling off Joseph. He didn't know that. 
He thought he'd been killed by an animal. So he didn't know any of this was going on, but God was working with his sons and he didn't know it. You know, sometimes it's that way with us. When we're going through troubles, everything seems against us. And we don't know sometimes that maybe God is using those things against us to work with other people. The things that seem against us, the Lord is dealing with other people with those circumstances. And sometimes God is dealing with our own family to bring us closer together even though the situation seems against us. And that's the way it was with Jacob. Another thing, God was working his plans to bring Jacob and his family to Egypt. Jacob said, everything is against me. No, Jacob. God's working to bring you down into Egypt. That's where you need to be. And God's doing all these things and allowing all these things to happen to get you down into Egypt. You see, in Egypt, you're going to be provided for. You remember, now Jacob didn't know this, but there were still five years of famine to come. And he needed to be down in, Je- in Egypt so they could be taken care of. Uh, in Egypt, they would be developed into a nation. Look at what chapter 45, verse 7 says. Chapter 45, verse 7. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. God sent me before you to preserve you and to deliver you and to save you. And they didn't know that. But uh, Jacob didn't know that, but God was doing that. As, as the things seemed against him, God was working his plan to get them down to Egypt. You see, God was working his plan to set the stage for a man who would later come, whose name was Moses. Where was Moses born? In Egypt. Who was Moses? Moses became the lawgiver. Moses became the writer of the first five books of the Bible. In fact, when Jacob said everything is against me, what was really happening was God was setting the stage so there would be a man by the name of Moses who would lead the children of Israel out of Egypt and who would also write the first five books of the Bible. In other words, if it wasn't for Moses, if it wasn't for these situations that's happening right now when he says everything's against us, we would have never heard about Jacob because Moses is the one who wrote about him. Moses is the one who wrote about the creation account. Moses is the one who wrote about how sin originated. Moses is the one who wrote about the Tower of Babel. Moses is the one who wrote the life of Joseph and Jacob and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and Joseph and all the rest of them. We wouldn't know anything about them if it wasn't for Moses. So when he says everything's against me, he didn't realize that God was setting things in motion so that he could get them down into Egypt because all this was coming in the future. God knows what he's doing. God was setting the stage for that great deliverance. We all know about it when, they brought, when he brought ten plagues upon Egypt, when later he delivered them out of Egypt and they crossed the Red Sea and God divided the waters. All that was yet in the future. And when Jacob said, everything's against us, he didn't realize God was setting the stage for these wonderful events. No, everything's not against you, Jacob. Another thing was God was working to fulfill the dreams of Joseph, his son. He thought Joseph was dead, but God gave Joseph those dreams and God was working to fulfill those dreams and bring it out to be just like he said it would be. And so God is working and Jacob doesn't realize that. He said, everything is against me. God was also working to cancel all the fears that Jacob had. 
you see, when Jacob said all was against me, as I mentioned a while ago, he, he was thinking, the money, it was stolen. Or it was an accident. We've got to account for it some way. It wasn't that way at all. It was a gift from Joseph. When he said, Joseph, he said, uh, everything's against me. Joseph's dead. No, Joseph's not dead. Joseph's alive and well. He's the ruler in, in, in uh, Egypt, and he's going to be your savior, the savior of your family. And Simeon, what about Simeon? Well, Simeon, as I said, is that bad guy that's very cruel. You remember he was involved in, in the slaughter of all those people at Shechem, and uh, he needed to be humbled. And God had him in that place to humble him. And so all these things were not... And Benjamin? No, Benjamin. Benjamin, it wasn't bad for Benjamin. He thought, if I send Benjamin down there, that's going to be very bad. It won't be bad for Benjamin because we find out when Benjamin gets down there, he's treated with, like royalty by, by Joseph. He gets to meet his brother again, be reunited with his brother and he gets to be uh, spe treated special by his brother. I mean, there's nothing bad in the, in the future for Benjamin in relation to this. Nothing at all. It's all good, but it doesn't look that way. And then Jacob, he says, me ye have bereaved. Jacob, if you only knew what was coming. It's not bad. It's not, it's not, everything's not against you. Really, it's for you, Jacob. But you don't understand. You don't see the future. You don't know what's going to happen. Well, what's going to happen in relation to Jacob? Well, Jacob's going to get a royal escort down to Egypt. You remember Pharaoh's going to send all those wagons up to get all of his family and bring him down to Egypt. When he gets down there, uh, the king, uh, Pharaoh is going to treat Jacob like really special, like a really special person, and he's going to honor him, and he's going to give him a special land, the best land in Egypt, called the land of Goshen, where he and his family can thrive. Uh, he doesn't know that; he doesn't understand that that's in the future, and it seems like everything's against him, but it's not. God's working all things together for good, and not only that, when Jacob comes to the end of his life. And, you know, some people, most people, when they get, when they die and they have their burial, they just have a small service and everything. Not Jacob. I mean, he's going to have a royal, uh, royal funeral. They're going to take him back with great fanfare to the land of Canaan, and they're going to uh, have a, a wonderful s service there. And, uh, I mean, it's going to be like royalty. And the people will look on and say, wow, what's happened to Jacob? I mean, what, hap what happened down in Egypt? I mean, he must be a great man. No, Jacob, it's not bad. It looks bad, but it's not bad. It's really good. God's working all things together for good. All that he worried about will work together for good. Those things that were against him really weren't against him. They were for him. And oh, if we could see that ourselves. And then also, God was doing one other thing. And that is, God was working to develop the nation of Israel. And some people have called Egypt the, the womb of the nation of Israel because in Egypt, uh, Israel really thrived and became a nation, and they came out very strong. But the reason for God to develop that nation was a very special reason, and that is that one day from that nation would come the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember what God had told Jacob back in in, uh, at Bethel. First of all, 
He told him, Jacob, I'm going to be with you, and I'm never going to leave you, and I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to take care of you. And uh, he provided that. So Jacob didn't need to worry about any of these things. And then he told them of your seed, the seed of you and your family, uh, from your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. That was a promise. And that spoke of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jacob, when you think everything's against you, it's not really. Because really it's all going to work together for good because God's in charge. You know, we need to learn that. We sometimes go through troubles and we think it's, it's over. <laughs> you know, it's all crumbling down. What are we going to do? And then somebody comes and says, all things work together for good to them that love God. And I know, you don't have to admit it, but I know it's probably true. Sometimes you hear that and you say, I'm getting tired of hearing that. <laughs> you know, I'm just getting tired of hearing that because it doesn't seem good at all. But I remind you, it is. God works bad things together for good, and we need to trust him. You see, our problem is we can't see. It seems, Jacob says, all these things are against me. No, Jacob, they're not. They're for you. And when somebody comes to you and you're going through a lot of trouble and they say, all things work together for good, don't get upset. Just say, you know, I'm, you're right. I just need to believe that. Because you see, God has, was providing the necessary food when he said all things are against me. God was working on his sons to bring them to repentance. God was working his plan to bring Jacob and his family to Egypt. God was working to fulfill the dreams of Joseph, Jacob's son, Joseph. God was working to cancel all the fears Jacob had about money, about Joseph, about Simeon, about Benjamin, and about himself. And God was working to develop the nation of Israel out of which would come the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. You see, when it seems all is against us, we need to remember God is for us. And he says in Romans 8.31, if God be for us, who can be against us? When it seems I am losing, God said I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. When it seems I am alone, God says I will never leave you nor forsake you. When it seems like other people are forsaking us and we seem to have nobody that care, cares, the Lord says I will never forsake you. I'll always be there. When it seems no one loves me, the Lord says nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing whatsoever. When my own understanding troubles me, God says, don't trust your understanding, trust me. When it seems that circumstances say it's impossible, God says, nothing is impossible with him. When it seems no one cares, God says, cast your care on me because I care for you. I'll conclude the message by reminding you again, Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. All things, not some things, but all things. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for reminding us of your grace to us and how, Lord, that you are so good and you're so faithful. 
And Lord, you will work things together for good to those that love you. Forgive us for not believing that sometimes. Help us, Lord, to remember that every day. I know that this week there'll be people here who are going to face some troubles that they didn't know about. Lord, but you know about it. And you not only know the past and the present, you also know the future. And there's something else you know, Lord, and that is you know what if. And so we thank you there's nothing outside of your knowledge. And when you tell us that all things will work together for good, we just need to believe you. Help us to do that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.